A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Five, four, three, two, one. Oh. <laughs> we'll keep that. Five, four, three, two. It. Hold on. Five, four, three, two, one. All right, Alice. All right, Tom. So this weekend for my uh, Connecticut radio show, I have. I've gotten some feedback from people upset that I have been in the last last week. I've been really doing more about stories in Oakland and other parts of California and in Newton, Massachusetts. Yes. And the reason, and one, and one of a, a listener and friend of ours um, said, you know, why don't you stick to Connecticut stuff? And I said, well, okay. And by the way, I start my look at this is just this is not a complaint. This is just what it is like to produce, prepare for an executed radio show. Mm-hmm. So, so, um, so I had already scoured local in Connecticut. The debate about like the, there's an EV mandate thing going on, et cetera, has some debates, the hearing stuff, et cetera. But the real gold on it had already happened. I already had that stuff. Yeah. That had happened um, a few weeks ago. And that was a good story, and it was it was great. There's also another another one. You know, the the, the um, Bridgeport election in Connecticut. Was, right, the cheating. He was probably stolen again. But now, at this point, I'm a fan of the mayor, Joe Gannon. I'm a fan. This guy just keeps stealing the election. Why not? <laughs> go, go for it. I endorse him. Oh. Um, I'm sure that both sides of these Democrats <clears throat> steal elections. I mean, municipal elections is where Democrats 99% of the time always steal and cheat against each other. Okay. So, you know, and usually they're they're usually scheduled in weird times and days and whatever. It's it's all meant to be a, a fix. But anyway, so the stuff I started with today on the radio show was instead of that, Instead of anything local. Okay. Because as far as we could see, there was nothing local that was a new conversation. 
But there was something in another state that was a good conversation with new um, imaging, with new content. Mm -hmm. So that fact made me say, you know what? I think I'm going to start somewhere else. I think I'm going to start somewhere else. And so that's why I started with the color. Hold on one second. Sally, can you let Pepper out, please? Pepper, go. Here we go, go, Pepper. Here we go. Here we go. Go. Go, Pepper. Go, go. Ahead. Here you go. Here you go. Okay. Why is she crying then if she doesn't want to go out? Here you go. Here you go. Go ahead. Here you go. Here you go. Go ahead. Pepper. Go ahead. Oh, Pepper's getting old. Okay. Here you go. Pepper. Go ahead. Pepper. Sayonara. <laughs> the way she walks is funny now. So if there's a is if there's a local conversation, if there's a local story, that would always lead. So, for instance, like it was a story a couple of years ago where, where the, one of the towns had a little, uh, like a little town day, mm-hmm. and somebody saw that one of the little souvenir shacks had a hateful flag, and it was either a Trump flag or a Confederate flag or the Gadsden flag. It was something that wasn't really it was fine, and said that it felt like violence towards me, and she was quoted, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that was perfect because it was local and it had lots of good color in it. It was wonderful. <clears throat> The EV story in Connecticut now has already run its course. It, there's a new chapter to it, which is procedural. Like, why are they having the hearing, um, the special session, and not? And they can do this in regular order. And special once you start talking special sessions in regular You've order, you've lost Tom Shadow. I'm gone. I don't <laughs> care well, who's getting. Like, it's it's such an inside the Capitol building like thing. I am that is I'm out. I would rather have compelling. So I thought, okay, Connecticut is out today. What's the next best thing? The next best thing <clears throat> that ha- was going on was this story, which is in Oakland. I don't even know if you know about this story. Um, this is the In-N-Out Burger? Exactly. In-N-Out Burger, Burger in Oakland. Now to Oakland, where concerns about crime at their only In-N-Out right by the airport has caused a company to decide to close the location for good. In-N-Out is just the latest in a long line of businesses that have shut down in the last year, citing crime as a driving factor. Customers and workers we spoke to today tell our Dalin they are angry about the closure, but not surprised. The drive-through line at this Oakland In-N-Out is always very long. The company made it very clear this is a very busy and profitable location. They say the issue is crime and safety. Dozens of cars inching along the drive-through line and plenty more people inside the dining room, including loyal customer Jan Bundy. First time I taste one of the burgers, I was like, oh my God. The lifelong East Oakland resident comes at least twice a week. He's well aware of the car break-ins in the parking lot. There are warning signs in front of In-N-Out and throughout the lot. He witnessed thieves breaking into a car next to him. They have, you know, weapons. So you don't want to run up and be no hero. Less than two months ago, it happened to his truck when he ate inside. They was trying to steal my vehicle, but I had a kill switch on it they didn't know about. So they couldn't get the vehicle, but they took all my belongings out. The damage. <sighs> now, and this is why this is the best thing that there is to talk about today. <laughs> Although it's neck and neck with something else. But this, Jan Bundy, they have, they have delicious burgers. He loves them. He's, I can relate. He's a fat guy. He's a little older than I am. He just wants to like limp into the In and Out Burger after working his ass off all week, and just have a freaking burger. Right. Get back into his truck and live his life. But everybody elected official in that city has failed him. So though he's trying in vain to do the right mm-hmm. thing, 
he keeps getting punished for it. And everybody else is getting right. punished for it. This no, is a first world country. You should be able to eat in a restaurant without your car being stolen. Right. I mean, like yes. that should just be like yes. a thing. This, the uh, Somalia in and out Burger, I understand, is sketchy. <laughs> You're right. But this dude, and the reason why the news, by the way, leads with the, the crime is driving them out is because crime has driven a whole bunch of businesses out of this area. Right. And so it's nothing that anybody has to keep secret anymore. They know what it is. It is crime. The people who are just trying to get something to eat are minorities. They're just trying to eat. That's it. Mm -hmm. Cost him about $500. Now his partner stays in the truck while he orders inside. That's why he's not surprised In-N-Out is shutting down the Oakland location. It's really a sad moment. Definitely frustrated. Definitely frustrated, you know, because if it's not In-N-Out, it's going to be something else tomorrow. These are people's jobs, you know. And it's essential to have jobs so we can spend money, you know, in the community. The San Francisco Chronicle reports since 2019, police have recorded over 1,300 incidents in and around the fast food restaurant, more than any other location in Oakland. Most of the reported incidents were car break-ins targeting visitors coming through Oakland Airport. Employees tell me they've seen armed robberies of customers as well. It's terrifying because, like, it also puts us in danger. This In-N-Out worker says thieves stay away when officers patrol the lot but they're only here for a few hours a day they just look around all the time and then they see pd leaves for a second and then that's when they take the chance in and out the moment the cops leave they pounce right released a statement that reads in part despite taking repeated steps to create safer conditions our customers and associates are regularly victimized by car break-ins property damage thefts and armed robberies the crazy we thing is too to visit is it's probably a small number of people just doing it over and over. Making a killing. Right. And, you know, involved in probably organized crime. And if you just arrested, like, the principal actors here, you could have this all... And kept them arrested, obviously. You could have this whole problem cleaned up in, like, a week if you just arrested, like, 20 people. There was a whole thing recently. I didn't even... I didn't read too much about it, but but, um, but I want to read more about it. Did you see that whole like big expose about how um, the whole like almost all of the Philadelphia like street crime is all connected to like a big gang rivalry between two big gangs that are like ones like involved with the oh, really? the international fentanyl trade and then like the other one and the, it's like almost all the crime can be traced to that these are like true bad actors right people that are involved in this and a lot of the like theft type of crime also is driven by organized crime and like bigger gangs it's not this is not like individual people stealing to feed their family or something oh no this is this is industrial business Right. For a lot of these places, it's just total resale. And if you took the people off the streets who are responsible, who are behind it, then you could like have the problem be over. Right. But Oakland itself, and when we get to another news rep, actually talks about this specifically the um, number of times and number of officers that can be distributed around groups of people is limited in recent post George Floyd legislation. in an unsafe environment. We are in a state of emergency. This is we a city council. state of emergency. Should it have to take a declaration to deliver when we're living this? My district has been in crisis. Cal- that psycho caused this. 
Of course. So she should be, you know, drawn and quartered uh, politically for what she did. So woman Treva Reed represents the area. She's been calling on the city council and Mayor Shang Tao to provide more police resources, but says she has gotten very little support. The Oakland Airport, the Hagenberger 98th Area Corridor is a gateway into the East Bay, and we have got to... Sucks to be you, lady. Well, it sucks to be everybody that they're uh, represented by people like her. Right. And the point is, I mean, you know, it's one of those things that has a bad reputation when you bring it up. Like, you're not allowed to mention, like, black on black crime, right? That's sort of like, it sounds like you're being racist or something. But the thing is that most crime is committed intra-racially, not interracially. Of course. Right? So, the problem is that if you decide we're not going to enforce laws in the black community post George Floyd because it leads to too many altercations between the police and black people and we don't like that optically the people who suffer from that are all black yes everybody in the story is black so when you do this to the black community when you say like oh we're not going to police the black community anymore because it's mean then all the people who get victimized by the criminals that you let out are black people. Yes. So it's not like doing the black community any favors. No. It, I mean, quite the opposite. And that's the point about black on black crime or white on white crime or Asian on Asian crime. The fact is that like most crimes happen between people of the same race. So by refusing to to put police into minority communities, you're hurting the minority communities. It's like an incredible, weird phenomenon where they're literally doing the exact opposite thing from what would help the black community. They're dead set on it. Exactly. Here's the Wall Street Journal. Uh, famous In-N-Out Burger chain announced Saturday it's closing its restaurant in Oakland, blaming rising crime. You might also say it's a victim of a progressive backlash to law enforcement and soaring government worker pension costs that have squeezed spending into public safety. Listen to this, Alice, because this is going to happen in every blue city. Right. Um, in an out store by the Oakland airport drew hordes of travelers, but its packed parking lot and long drive through line were frequently targeted by thieves. This location remains a busy and profitable one for the company, but as you said, but it's mm -hmm. too dangerous. Oakland's Progressive City Council... Right, it's profitable now, but it won't be profitable if they have to pay out insurance claims for people right. that keep dying there. <laughs> when people have to step over a chalk body outlines in front, it's not going to be profitable. Profitable. <laughs> profitable? Yeah. Oakland's Progressive City Council in 2021 bowed, or bowed, bowed or bowed, to anti-police activists by limiting the number of police academies for training new officers and freezing 911 surge units. All, well, that seems smart. Yes. Well, listen to this. All while, while boosting funding for private violence prevention alternatives. Meanwhile, as federal pandemic largesse shrank, spending on government worker benefits ballooned. Remember all the giveaways? Take more, take more, take more. They did it in Connecticut, too. Mm -hmm. You got uh, you got the combat pay. Here you go, here you go. Because, you know, everybody wants to get reelected. All those Democrats want to get reelected. Right. right. And they do that here, too, in Massachusetts. It's all, you know, they passed an override in this area because they were all crying that the they were like oh there's so much less federal funding than there used to be yeah because there was extra federal funding during covid you idiots covid's gone now that wasn't a permanent change to the funding level from the federal government but, but we're not for your our schools. best when we're right. getting elected people between 2019 and listen to this between 2019 and 2023 
Oakland's spending on public worker retirement benefits rose 42%, that's $73 million, and 34%, that's $49 million, for fringe benefits. Last year, Oakland spent more on government worker benefits than it collected in property and sales tax. Uh-oh. To close its $360 million budget deficit, the city cut back on what? Police. Correct. <laughs> the unsurprising <sighs> result? Surging crime. Robberies last year went up over 22% over the three-year average. Auto burglaries, 23%. Carjackings, 15%. And motor vehicle theft, 29% also spiked. Roughly one of every 30 Oakland residents had a car stolen last year. Many in and out patrons and One workers, out of every 30? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. That's a lot of people. Businesses in California pay exorbitant taxes. And by the way, of course, Alice, are paying at least a $20 minimum wage. Of course. Thanks, California. With all the taxes that go with that, too. Exactly. Payroll taxes and, you know, benefits to people and all, all those things. Right. So, so... So there we go. Just a um, another day, more absurdity by the left. So the reason then I went from there to Massachusetts, to Newton, Massachusetts, even though not everybody's thrilled with it. And did you ever see this graphic that I sent you? We've been talking about the Newton, Massachusetts teacher strike. Progress reported a Newton teacher strike. Classes canceled for fifth day. This is published today. And you should see, there's a graphic that shows the, uh, this is uh, NBC10, Boston. It shows a, the calendar on the wall in a, in, a, in a cartoon, and the numbers just go flying off. One, two, three, four, five, like lighthearted. All right, today is the fifth day right now out of the classroom for students and teachers in Newton. Look, the union and the district still. Now, where's the, like, down foreboding tone for that? The fifth day, kids out of class in nope. Newton, where they look at each other to say, "No, they consider this all fun." Right. I mean, you remember, like in, in this is a fun, happy news story. Yes. Remember when, when in Connecticut, like seven months ago, somebody like did a hate crime somewhere, or like left a swastika somewhere, and he's like, the guy's like, "Why would anybody do that?" I don't know, Jane. The times <laughs> we live in. She's lighting up everybody. Right now, out of the classroom for students and teachers in Newton. Look, the union and the district still cannot reach an agreement here. This is a live look right now outside the state house where there is a rally. Hundreds of people, all blue hats, all their blue and white signs, all really good at this, singing more songs. As we speak, you can see teachers out there holding up signs and chanting. They are hoping to have their voices heard today. So let's bring in NBC10's Alicia Palumbo, who's live for us in Newton this morning. to have their voices heard Alicia, today. there are some signs of progress this morning. Yeah, there's definitely signs of progress. And you can see the teachers and hear the teachers picketing here outside the Newton Education A bunch of the teachers are standing with here. students. And after they finish rallying on the steps of the state house, they'll be heading inside to talk with their representatives. There is the thing is, they're out there dancing and singing. It's a carnival atmosphere. Right. Because this is fun. This right. is about them. We're enjoying ourselves, talking about ourselves. And let's, let's make a party of it. Nude optimism today that a deal can get done. One week of teachers in Newton on strike over failed contract negotiations means one week of no school for students here. This has been really challenging as a parent. We don't know day to day what's... This is a parent and striking teacher. Now she's put on her only her parent hat. 
Right. It's just fantastic. School for students here. This has been really challenging as a parent. We don't know day to day what's going to happen. We're waiting for that seven o'clock update. Um, and, you know, again, we're scrambling just like the people in the community are. As- oh, really? <laughs> oh, really? Because it seems to me that you could end this right now if right. you felt and, like and it. And they wouldn't have to scramble anymore because you could all just, oh, my God. They're a victim of a you strike You could all now. just go to work. They're a victim of a strike. Yeah. These people. I'm both the victim of the strike and the cause of the strike at the same time. Continue to try to figure out what they're going to do if this strike drags on. Governor Maura Healey is weighing in, but not picking sides. It's a very challenging situation. I very much wish for a resolution. Children need to be back in school. I wish for a resolution. As though she's not the most powerful person in the state. Children need to be back in school. Well, okay. Then tell them to get the hell back into school and do their jobs. Yeah. With their illegal strike, by the way. I mean, like, it, the whole thing... But they won't tell them, though. They're not going to tell these municipal workers to do a darn thing. Right. By the way, when it came to getting the vaccine... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They were okay with telling them what to do there. You will do it. You will be fired. If you pick at us, you will be arrested. Right. I know someone who's still out of work because they were uh, a municipal worker in a town in Massachusetts and lost her job because she didn't want to get vaccinated because she was trying to get pregnant by the way and didn't feel comfortable with it wednesday night there was optimism from both sides as compromises were made on parental leave and lengthening the contract to four years it's good news that the two sides the are talking in a meaningful way that's progress we're optimistic uh there has finally been some movement which we have been waiting for for a long long time um but we still have a long ways to go so we're still urging the school committee to speed up the pace of these negotiations among this so which got me to and i thought just for the for the heck of it i thought you know it's been so fruitful to check out the Instagram for these folks. I wonder if there's anything new. And they don't disappoint. There's nobody. These teachers, Mm -hmm. they are committed to their Instagram page. They are into it. They are not going to uh, let you down there. Why we strike. This is all produced up. Amongst many things that we're on strike for, we're concerned about elementary prep time. And the majority of teachers go above and beyond because we love our job. And it's very difficult to fulfill all our job responsibilities within the scheduled workday. So there's simply not enough time to do everything that we need to do. My husband and I are both elementary educators in the city of Newton. And on a typical weekend, we are juggling all the responsibilities that any parent has. But on top of the regular responsibilities, a lot of the work that we do happens at night and on weekends. And just to get our progress reports done, we both had to leave hiring a babysitter to go to the Natick Library to do progress reports for three hours. Oh, my God. No wonder they're, what were they, were they, something to the um, parasites? They were um, bound to parasites? Can you imagine they were Mm -hmm. working some nights and weekends? Nobody does that in the private sector. No, that has never happened. That has never happened. Did they get um, summers off, I wonder? (sighs) Here's another. Why we strike. By the way, that last demand was not on the official list. These are more demands coming Oh, good. So I'm on strike because I am on the front lines of the student mental health crisis in our system. 
She's on the front lines of the student mental health crisis. Did it ever occur to them that maybe they're a part of the cause of the student mental health crisis? They are the cause (laughs) of of the COVID crisis for two years not being in school. They're the the reason for the crisis. I'm on the front lines of it. No, you're not today. (laughs) You are the crisis. Yeah, you are the crisis staring down at the front lines who has no guard anymore and no protections for the children. I am a member of our suicide awareness team. I am been good uh, to work. part of the special education program, and I work with our most vulnerable students who are in great distress every day of the week. Um, You're not working with them this week, are you? Yeah, so what? when they kill themselves, <laughs> you will be glad you did the right thing and were on strike during it? I got, how incredibly vile. How incredibly vile do you have to be? I think they have to work that one out. These people are so freaking vile. It's terrible. So anyway, that's the thought process. That's the most compelling thing really today that I can think of anywhere. It's powerful. These people are vile human beings. That they're on strike from helping teens not kill themselves? We're going to lose some, but as long as they know they're doing it because we love Newton. (laughs) And we love them on the front lines. Freaking, how is that person allowed to still work there? I'm on the front line. The sad thing is, too, in Newton, the parents probably all support it. Of course, but if some firefighters struck... And they said, we're on the front lines of making sure people don't burn to death. And behind him, a triple-decker is burning and people are jumping out of the windows uh, fully engulfed. And he said, I'm on the front lines of it. You'd say, well, maybe you should freaking get back there and uh, rejoin the battle. Right. All right. Where do you want to go from here? Um, I would like to bring up my uh, absolute favorite public official right now, Maura Healy's working on getting in the top 10 right now but um we're new educators of course we support our students mental health and social emotional needs we know they can't learn otherwise we're newton educators so of course we do this sometimes in two schools or even three we're newton educators of course we have to spend time responding to misinformation from the school committee and the mayor yeah we're newton educators of course my own children know saturday and sunday mornings are for doing my own school work Oh my god. Oh my god, she's poly employed. We can talk about that later. The the Zillennials are mad that they're poly employed now. That means that used to mean you having two jobs. Now they're uh, called poly employed. It's a thing. Go ahead. What were you saying? <laughs> I was saying that um I gotta get off this Instagram page. It's too Absolute favorite um public official is uh Fonnie Wells, who's just absolutely crushing it in the competition for just absolute most blatant grifter in America. Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis wants to treat her staff to brand new taxpayer-funded cars. As she rides out allegations that she misappropriated county funds to enrich her lover. Willis on Wednesday requested $611,000 from the Fulton County Board of Commissioners to purchase 16 pursuit and special service vehicles for law enforcement and administrative purposes. The board voted overwhelmingly to table the request after several commissioners noted that Willis had provided no justification for the proposed purchase order. The board says it will take up the request after Willis addresses the allegations of her affair with Special Prosecutor Nathan Wade, a married man she appointed in November 2021 to lead her election meddling case against Donald Trump. Um, 
<clears throat> He's earned $654,000 in legal fees from Willis's office funds he then used to finance vacations for the pair. I don't know why she's requesting vehicles now, Commissioner Bridget Thorne said during Wednesday's meeting. I met with the district attorney's office in December. She said she'd requested $5 million in enhancements last year, but only needed four because she had already purchased vehicles. In light of all the recent allegations, I don't want to approve any money until those allegations have been addressed. Willis sought to purchase several 2023 Ford SUVs as well as two 2023 uh, model pursuit vehicles from a Ford dealer in the Atlanta metropolitan area. Where do we found out she's probably... Sleeping with the Ford dealer, too. Dallas. Um, according to a document reviewed by the Washington Free Beacon, the commission voted six to one to hold the request until the county audit committee concludes its investigation into Willis's office. So, I mean, I guess why not? That is fantastic. Right? I mean, just put in the order for while you're there. You know, she could be out of office at any time now. So you might as well just go right ahead and request some new Ford SUVs. While you're at it, I love it. That's a great thing. You know, that's a great thing about this activist class. When they get these gigs, these good gigs, mm-hmm. they can't help but see. Wow, cha-ching! <laughs> Monica Cannon grants the BLM chicks. Um, who is the uh, Corey Bush too? Paying her bodyguard out of her campaign funds. Oh, who's right. also her boyfriend? Right. Oh, jeez. Alice, think of a white one, quick, please. <laughs> I'm not feeling comfortable with this. And some white ones that do the same thing. Of course they do. Of course. Incredible. Uh, incredible. Okay, you know what? When it's time that we slam a white woman, should we go to Taylor Lorenz? Yes, let's go to Taylor Lorenz. Who, by the way, as crazy as she is, doesn't do it for me at any level. Really? I think she's pretty. No. Oh, could we just hit one more news thing about California before we leave, which has to do with democratic governance? Yeah. I just want you to listen to this news wrap for a second. I don't even know if you've had a chance to see this. This is how fantastic this the homelessness and the crises are. I've covered a lot of homeless stories in the past, but I've never seen such elaborate infrastructure for encampments. It starts with these makeshift steps that lead about 20 feet down below to where these caves are hidden. You can't even no. see them from up above. And that's the homeless in Sacramento have Hamas cave networks now. Where they live. Likely why they went undetected for so long. Hidden homeless caves tucked along the Tuolumne River in Modesto. These are basically stairs that they made to get down to the dwelling. Tracy Rojas took us on the like treacherous the Indians again. craters yeah. created near the catacombs in Rome. So I just wanted to hit that real quick. Let's get to uh, my friend Taylor Lorenz. Is that new? I mean, like, did people ever tunnel under cities? Like, I mean, I guess, like, obviously the catacombs in Rome and stuff. But in the United States, like, in modern times, is that new? Usually there's a way to keep it going above ground. <laughs> it gets I mean, desperate. Like, it's Things up here are just not working. <laughs> so we have choices. Either we can go We're into the going ocean. going underground. We can go underground. It's like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in the sewers or whatever. It's like weird to me. Never, I don't recall things being like that in my youth, but yeah, maybe we are Rome. Okay, this is our friend Taylor Lorenz. She's worried about the state of media. What makes her more dangerously crazy than a lot of women is that like 77% of the stuff she says is accurate and, you know, uh, acutely observationally correct. It's Mm -hmm. the other stuff. 
It's the lack of a mirror in her house that is the problem. The entire journalism industry is basically in a free fall. Today, the Los Angeles Times laid off 115 employees. They wiped out their entire DC bureau in an election year. They laid off pretty much all of their sports teams. They killed their entire tech and business section. They laid off breaking news writers, social media editors. The list goes on. Pretty much who you'd lay off, by the way. Yeah. But what's really dark is this is just the latest in months and months and months of layoffs in the media industry. In fact, tens of I'm familiar with those months and months of layoffs in the media industry. Mm -hmm of journalists have been laid off in the past year. Major media companies like BuzzFeed News have completely shuttered their news operations. Here, here. Time Magazine also just laid off a ton of people, and oh, Sports Illustrated basically shut down last week. Pretty much the entire digital media ecosystem that myself and a lot of other millennial journalists came up in has been completely hollowed out. And you know not who's not laying off everybody? The Wall Street Journal? Uh, sure, the Daily Wire, I was going right. to say. Uh, Fox News is not laying off everybody. Um, just throwing it out there. But listen to how she says, she says this. Myself and a lot of other millennial journalists came up in news operations. Time Magazine also just laid off a ton of people. And oh, Sports Illustrated basically shut down last week. Pretty much the entire digital media ecosystem that myself and a lot of other millennial journalists came up in has been completely hollowed out. And it's Now, I think that's interesting because all, every place that we came up in, you have the LA Times building, Washington mm -hmm. Post building you know, the offices at Axios and whatever it is. That it, well, the, the places that we came up in, even the Boston Globe, the old Globe now is like a much smaller space and State Street, et cetera. The places like where, where I came up with, us millennials came up in. Funny thing is, is that she might have come up in that building. Right. But it's people much far superior to her, less introverted in navel-gazing than her, less absorbed with themselves and their feelings than she is. Mm -hmm. It's people who were selfless grinders, many of whom fought in wars, few of whom probably went to college. It's those people who built those institutions. Right. It's not millennial cupcakes like this broad whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Sure, she got to go in the building with the, wow, what an institution, the Washington Post. <laughs> of course. Washington Post was built... By people who worked hard. Mm -hmm. People who didn't have time for vocal fry like she does. Mark actually just said that in the chat. He said he agrees with you on her looks and uh, the vocal fry. Yeah. Yes. It, but but that, the, her vocal fry in this case is just a way to just... It's a way to... Um, it's, a, it's the fainting couch. It's a way to accentuate what I'm saying. So what I'm saying is... So well thought, etc., that I'm on to the next thought. So my my wave the wave intonation will just kind of. Mm, sizzle I can't up. cast stones on uh, vocal fry. I don't think. I, I think yours is different. I think your sister's is different. Um, but you know, this, she is a bad journalist. She is a liar. Oh, yeah. She plays the victim. She's also independently wealthy, so yes, none of this. You're going to hear about that. Have to be in this field. It's not just digital media sites. Local news has been obliterated. The newspaper industry is cratering. Radio is essentially dead, aside from NPR, which has been gutted. Meanwhile, hundreds of workers... Which is good, that NPR is being gutted. Is it even been gutted? No. It's gutted down to what, like seven producers per show? Yeah. No, it's not <laughs> I mean, being gutted. It's it should not be, gutted. It should be done with.
At Condé Nast, the parent company of pretty much every major magazine from GQ to Vogue to The New Yorker to Vanity Fair are on strike because they're also facing impending layoffs. Even mainstream national media outlets owned by billionaires like The Washington Post, where I work, and The Atlantic, where I used to work, have done layoffs. If you're a young journalist today, there's almost no on-ramp. Once again, yes, they have done layoffs because they can't afford you in your BS. In the same way, the Post couldn't, I mean, the, the LA Times could never afford to hire in the wake of George Floyd. Can you imagine being the CFO and just saying, really? We're doing this? Okay, just get ready, because in two years, we're firing everybody. You know that. Less than two years. A lot of those, like, Delos people um, that were at LA Times, that were, like, making it diverse, they're, um, they were hired, like, last year. They worked there less than a year, and they're acting like their whole world is crashing down like you've had the job for like six months calm down additional journalism even if you do get a job journalists salaries have been stagnant and even declined and by the way we don't make that much to begin with i don't think people understand how by the the way she shouldn't make that much to begin with she shouldn't some people should right some people who hustle right right i remember being astonished by the salaries that your newspaper Mm -hmm. company was offering people with like journalism degrees and stuff like people who were quite good reporters by the way Mm -hmm. some of them but the salaries that they were offering were i mean less than i was making working nights at home depot right well the idea is that you go from like the uh, lawrence eagle tribune to the herald Mm -hmm. from the herald to the globe the globe is just jumping off point to tv somewhere or you know where the salaries still are not quite so embarrassing Exactly. Uh, the world would be without journalists. And let me just preface this by saying for people that don't know my background, I did not go to journalism school. I built my own audience on the internet. I came from outside journalism and started as a blogger and then entered into legacy journalism, a system that I have been incredibly, incredibly critical of pretty much my entire career. So I'm definitely not. You're just talking about when I came up legacy media. Right some mainstream media defender. And I think the rise of citizen journalism on apps like TikTok, Instagram, and elsewhere has overwhelmingly been a positive thing. The journalism industry is overrun with elite, underqualified, rich, entitled Nepo babies, okay? This is the problem, of course. Is it she forgot to mention that she's one of those? Exactly. And that part of it is terrible. But that's not most journalists. And the majority of journalists losing their jobs in situations like this are the working journalists that are doing these investigations of police brutality or investigating corporations or holding power to account Mm -hmm. or doing really thoughtful, brilliant. In other words, activism journalism. Right. Police brutality. Yeah. Are are the journalists um, reporting on hoaxes? Are they doing important journalistic work? The ones who get things wrong all the time. Right. The ones who run with a headline that's completely insane and doesn't match the reality. The ones that didn't ask any questions about like major narratives or like request George Floyd's auto- autopsy report or anything and like cultural that. Cultural commentary. I don't want to live in a world where all of the news is delivered through 60 second TikTok videos with retention. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. 
Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Editing. And I think there's Neither a ton I, of really way. talented journalists that are also just not great like social media people. I think of some of my friends who are journalists who do really deep investigations or local reporting or sit through hour long. This is somebody who uses intimidation to go after organizations and people that she finds distasteful. She goes online, finds people like Libs of TikTok Lady, and hounds her right. or businesses and says, why is it that you would uh, you know, funnel this racist speech, et cetera, and then writes them up? This is not a person who does journalism. Right. Oh, I'm holding people to account. I'm calling all of Kirk and Gallahan's, you know, advertisers mm-hmm. and holding the rich and powerful to account <laughs> i'm doing a study surely long i'm doing a story on why you would support racists on the air mind talking it's like incredible do we need to hear more of this so you get the point uh we get it i think i mean yeah and she's right that the media has been hollowed out but by and large i mean it's true she does get to one thing where she talks about how like they've always survived on advertising revenues and now they can't survive on advertising revenues because a huge chunk of that money that they used to get now that they're digital goes to Google and Facebook which is true and <clears throat> that's a really big issue with the advertising model in digital land right because if you're a newspaper you used to get all that money from advertising of course. And now you only get part of it because Google keeps a big chunk. And, you know, that that's really a problem. Um, but what, think- what she's really complaining about is they miss having these institutional weapons to disrupt and to mm-hmm. bully and to shut people down. And so when the New York Times newsroom took over and because Tom Cotton got to speak and beheaded um, the editorial page editor and got to make editorial decisions... And and got to um you know do this nineteen series which is total rubbish. Right. They love that, and then they thought that was good and important uh, journalism. Of course, it was rubbish. When the papers in Seattle celebrated the chop the the you know whatever Jazz zone district yeah district with the warlords etc. They love that. Of course, it's not journalism. They want that these they want these big marble buildings to support an organization of activists. And a lot of these CEOs are saying, I'm losing money for what is this business model anyway now? Well, right, because, you know, if you're going to have a subscriber model and you're going to constantly uh, throw the people who pay you money to subscribe under the bus, then they're going to go away. Right. All right. Uh, last thing for me is there's a bunch of stories out this week. And this is no this is not on not a surprise. And it was going to happen. On abortions and how, because the Democrats are running this year on abortion, a bunch of studies are being cooked up to show that innocent women merely walking down the street uh, suddenly are raped or uh, some some other horrible thing happens and are, they're incested and the mean Republican states won't give them their abortions. And so expect to hear that repeated again and again with some big mm-hmm. BS bromides. This is from The Hill. Study estimates nearly 65,000 rape-related pregnancies in states with abortion bans. Wow. Wow. Yeah. A study published this week 
estimated nearly <coughs> 65,000 pregnancies associated with rape uh, with rape occurred in the 14 states that enacted um, abortion bans since the Dobbs edition in 2022. The study published in the peer-reviewed journal, they love using peer-reviewed, of the American Medical Association used federal data to estimate the number of rape-related pregnancies that occurred between July, 2020, July 1, 2022 and July 1, 2024. Based mm -hmm. on available data, research estimated <coughs> researchers estimated 519,981 completed rapes occurred during this time frame. Uh-huh. Let me tell you what didn't happen during this time frame. Almost a million rapes. Completed rapes. That's correct. Did not happen. <laughs> I mean, so, and this is a fascinating to me because this is like one of those things where it's too good for journalists to check, which is why they all run with the headlines about the bazillions of rapes that apparently have been happening everywhere all over the place. And um, it's like the numbers just don't pass a smell test at all. For one thing, no. the number of rapes that it says happened in Texas alone during this time period um, when they've had this law, it thinks like 200 something thousand rapes happened during that time frame. And there's like six million women in the age range, like 15 to 45. It's like something like three percent of the people would have had to have been raped. like three percent of women don't get raped in a year. <laughs> That's, if also, you think that that's true, then, I mean, like, you just have to be out of your mind. Like, not one out of every 30 people is raped every year. Well, right. And that's the, just not a reasonable number. The federal stats show that about 200,000 American women of this age are raped every year. Right. And I'm willing and to not, believe that. Not, not 500,000 in seven states, 200,000 in every state. Right. Because when you said that number, I was like, you mean in Texas? And you yeah. were like, no, I mean in America. And oh, it's yeah. like, because it just, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. And they're starting from numbers that are just insane. Um, they're starting from a study that found that the lifetime rape rate among women is 19%. So that's almost one in every five women is going to be raped in her life. Right. That's an insane number. That is not true. If it is, you are counting things as rape that are that no normal person would consider rape. And so this is where like the narrative falls apart because if you're telling me that your whole estimate, it's not really a study either. They didn't really, I mean, it, they're just grabbing a bunch of numbers from a bunch of different right. studies and estimating how many people they think might have been raped and gotten pregnant from rape. They're also saying that um, the lifetime rape-related pregnancy rate is 15%. Seems high. 15% of all women have not been impregnated by rape in their lives. That's, I mean, it's just not... That's not a possible and reasonable number. That's like one out of every six women. That's crazy. It's it, That's just not something... So if that's the number that you're starting with to calculate it, then... It, like, we can't even have a conversation because that's well, it's like an insane So thing. let me get back to this paragraph. Mm -hmm. Researchers estimated 519,981 completed rapes occurred this during this time frame, mm -hmm. which would be national news and ongoing breaking news, 24-hour coverage. That's in, like, seven states, 500,000 rapes in a year and a half or whatever, with 64,000 associated with pregnancies. Now, the reason they made up the 500,000 is so they could get to the 64,000 mm -hmm. because they're going by percentage. 
64,000 associated with pregnancies. Because that's the number that's supposed to scare you. 64,000 in all the Republican states made to carry the rapist children to term. That's what they're getting to. So you look at this thing and you go down further. I mean, if that's true, presumably you could find at least like a couple of them to come forward. Yeah. Out of the 64,000. But I mean, that's it's. It's just an absolutely bonkers number to say that there have been 64,000 pregnancies from rape in Texas just in the time frame that this law was there in 2022. So, no, this was too good to not run. So the rest of the study comes at the very end. The researchers acknowledge there were some limitations to their study. We use CDC data, the most accurate available national data on rapes, but such highly stigmatized experiences are difficult to measure accurately in surveys, they wrote. Okay. Nonetheless, um... They also had a, like, ratio of per... They had, like, a per-rape pregnancy rate that was, um... They did something like i don't know why they calculated it this way but because there there are estimates that it's around five percent which i also don't believe but they used a per rate pregnancy rate of like over 10 percent, which is wild to me as somebody who in my life has like tried to get pregnant and have sex at the right time and like not been on birth control and all that like there is no way that in a world where tons of women of childbearing age are on birth control all the time and you know that and people aren't like trying to get pregnant mm-hmm. there's no way that it is like over 10 percent of rapes result in pregnancy that's insane of course it's not but this whole thing that's is insane. bs all they wanted was the big numbers that's it in the vague headlines and that's what nancy pelosi in every local candidate is going to be saying and that's what this the press will now be saying to people every republican mm-hmm. well, what do you say about this that six hundred thousand rapes and now listen to this that goes on It goes on now to disqualify itself from any validity. Nonetheless, the large number of estimated rape-related pregnancies in abortion ban states compared with the 10 or fewer legal abortions per month occurring in each of those states indicates that persons who have been raped and become pregnant cannot access legal abortions in their home state, even in states with rape exceptions. Yeah, or maybe, just maybe... There just aren't that many pregnancies from rape. Or, <laughs> like, maybe. that's right. That's right. In other words, oh, they can get abortions. Yeah, the ones in the states. So, yeah, so they did estimates for states. Texas, I don't believe, has a rape exception. But some states do. Yeah, but what so, And when they is- compare their estimate of how many pregnancies from rape there are in those states to the number of people who seek out an abortion using the rape exception, it's, like, an insanely way smaller number. And that's because <laughs> there's not that many pregnancies from rape. And hey, like I'd be willing, honestly, not that I'm in like a negotiating position here, but if we're talking about like whether there should be rape exceptions or whatever, like I happen to be pro-life in almost all circumstances except life of the mother. But, you know, most of the abortions are not happening for that reason. I'd be willing to ban all the other ones first. And have the rape exception, like, and then we'll talk about the rape exception or whatever afterwards. But like, if we're focused on the rape exception, if that's the issue, then let's just ban all the other ones that aren't from rape first. Right. Like, can we just agree on that? Is that why you guys are so gung ho about the rape exception? Because 
Well, no, that's why they need there to be, at least in some of these states, it seems like there's mostly they're used for rape. So the last paragraph, <laughs> the last paragraph of this is so too, too perfect. <coughs> this is perfect. <coughs> the study notes a conflict of interest with two of the researchers, Samuel L. Dickman, unfortunate name, <laughs> Samuel L. Dickman. <coughs> yeah, maybe if your primary uh, topic of research is going to be pregnancy from rape you should think yeah. about a name change on there two of the researchers samuel l dickman who serves as medical director at planned parenthood of montana and is currently part of several lawsuits dealing with abortion access <clears throat> oh wow i don't okay, see what would disqualify go. his work in this another researcher on the study is carrie white she's uh, previously been paid by groups that support abortion access so this is rubbish, acting as a study, peer-reviewed, that's now laundered into the news cycle, it'll be laundered into your politics, and into this uh, election cycle, and may well be effective. Joe Biden may be reelected because of BS like this, oh, which yeah. people will get in your face and tell you all about very soon. Of course, and because there are a lot of, uh, you know, educated people <coughs> who still trust places like NPR and the New York Times to tell them the truth. They still trust the scientific institutions and the journals to actually review uh, things like this properly. This whole study should have been thrown out from the start. There, I mean, you should have like a little bit of a gut check that the national rape numbers that they're coming up with outpace actual reported rapes by like 99%. You know, like you should just, that should cross your mind but it's things like this where you know it's it's way too good to check and they just are activists all of them the journalists are activists the quote scientists are activists the people running the institutions are activists the politicians obviously are activists but i mean there's no this is why the um media is being hollowed out yes. right this is why they're all being fired from their jobs because anybody with two brain cells to rub together can tell that like these places that are running with these headlines are just not trustworthy. Uh, that is correct. That is correct. I have another example of what I know that we're running behind here. Mm -hmm. um, hold on. Feel it for a second. Um, and, you know, the abortion issue in particular, like, seems to bring this out. Like, they just lie about it constantly in a way that I find, like, kind of shocking. It's there was that um, other news story that they were trying to do about a girl getting arrested um, for doing an abortion. Do you remember that when they all were like saying that, like, oh, this girl's been sent to jail for getting an abortion in this anti-abortion state. See what happened after Roe v. Wade. And it turned out the news story was that um, she was full-term pregnant, um, terminated the pregnancy herself with her mom at home, and then burned the baby. Yes. Like, and... Like, she and her mom both got in trouble for that, but it was, like, a 36-week pregnancy. It was, like, a completely full-term baby that she just, like, aborted by herself and killed at home. And not at all, like... And, you know, why would they... Why would they um, run with stories like that? This was in Nebraska. Uh, yeah, she got 90 days in jail. And, and it's, like, why would they run with that story 
and use that as the example of like the abortion access that they want to see. That's the abortion access that they want to see. Uh, misdemeanor charges of false reporting and concealing a death were dismissed under the agreement according to files. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, she was sentenced to two years probation. Celeste delivered a stillborn child. Authorities used Facebook messages between her and her mother to establish that the two discussed obtaining abortion pills and burning the, quote, evidence. Police uh, claimed the body of the child, which was exhumed, appeared to have injuries indicating it may have burned, been burned after the pregnancy was terminated, according to the court documents. So, yeah, I mean, why would they use examples like that? Okay. If You're- all they want is just safe, legal and rare. Right. Here's another study. Nearly 30% of Gen Z adults identify as LGBTQ in national survey finds. About half the Gen Z adults who identify as LGBTQ identify as bisexual, according to the Public Religion Research Institution report. Uh, one in four Gen Z adults, uh, they say they're lesbian, gay, tra- transgender, or queer. This, that. So everybody's gay is what they're saying, essentially. Mm-hmm. So I thought, like, what is the Public Regional Religious uh, Religion Research Institute? What could that possibly be? So I looked it up, and mm-hmm. it's an American nonprofit research education that conducts public opinion polls. Um, and the Robert P. Jones is the founder of the public religious religious group, whatever. He previously uh, served. Uh, he's the author of "The End of White Christian America." Oh, good. Which won the 2019 Gray Meyer Award in Religion. Jones is also the author of the 2020 book. White Too Long, The Legacy of White Supremacy in American Christianity. Yeah. So you're getting the point here, right? Right. Another BS bunk bull frigging paper peer-reviewed piece of crap that the media and lefties will use uh, as they shout in your face, you know, with their miserable purple short hair and nose rings. Alice, um, sup with you? Um, sup with me. Almost all of my reading lately is um, kid-related, so I am reading... Not pedophilia no. books. Okay, good. Um, that's a game changer. But in terms of like things our kids are reading, I'm also reading. So yes. one is that at bedtime for one group of kids, we are doing The Chronicles of Narnia. A fantastic series of books. I love it. I like to, when I read it aloud, start... Or to myself, I suppose, too. I like to start with The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Which there's some debate about because, in theory, the magician's nephew comes first. I had only heard of the land in the original wardrobe, I think. What's the second one? The second one is, um, well, the horse and his boy, kind oh, of. Oh, I guess I only know that one. But it depends. So there, it depends if you go in the order that they were written or the order that they occur in chronologically. But I think it makes The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is the first one written. But it's not. The magician's nephew is sort of a prequel to it. Okay. But. I'm kind of of the belief that you shouldn't start with a prequel, especially if it's a prequel that's made afterwards. So in my box set, mm, they have the magician's nephew first, and then they have nerd. the uh, <laughs> Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. But I start with the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and then I go to um, Prince Caspian, okay. which I think should be next. So that's my point of view on that. I also have read um, three kind of chiclet novels from an author called... Um, Lynn Painter. Chicklet, does that mean for chicks? Yeah. Okay. Um, They're, I guess, kind of teen chicklet. I don't know if they would count as YA or um, what they would be called, but my daughter requested to read one. So like the OCD person that I am, I needed to read it too to like 
check and see what she was reading. Mm-hmm. And um, the first one that she wanted to read was called Better Than the Movies. So, um, but it's, you know, about a girl who's, um, she really believes in romance because mm-hmm. uh, she used to watch all these romance movies with her mom before her mom died. And now it's her and her dad and her dad's remarried to someone that she really likes and who's really cool, but just isn't her mom and can't replace her. And um, so she has these dreams of like meeting the perfect guy and this old childhood friend moves back to town and she's convinced he's the perfect uh, guy for her. So then she cooks up a plan with her annoying guy neighbor to get this guy to fall in love with her. Mm-hmm. And the annoying guy neighbor is like kind of a cad and uh, is always like doing practical jokes on her and is like super annoying and she would never be you into him. Don't spoil it for us. Okay, I won't. But I think you can see where this is going. And then yeah. I read two more books by the same okay, author. I, well, and they're all the same. Okay. <laughs> Jesus. So. Kill this segment. <laughs> Uh, I am now. So now that you're done pressing the 30 second button, Tom will weigh in on what he's reading. I am now following and subscribe to the Jordan Peterson podcast. I know that all of you know who he is. I've been watching him for years, like you have too. I just hadn't been subscribed to his podcast. Uh, My podcast dance card was full. I check in with Jordan Peterson, like on YouTube, and see what's up. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Um, but now it's very interesting since they're trying to destroy his livelihood, taking away his. All his certifications, like stuff he worked for mm-hmm. in in Canada, because he, like he said things like he called like a swimsuit issue chick like fat or something or not pretty because it was a guy or he said things that are very innocuous but you know people rat him out because he's Jordan Peterson and hate crimes are very important in Canada so they're <laughs> trying to destroy him. His daughter's trying to get him to move to Arizona. Um, he's tr- he wants to fight and stay where he is, which I, th- I think is. Is it Toronto? I'm not sure. Um, but it's very interesting just like hearing live updates and how this guy is – he's pretty much – it's pretty much lost the whole legal fight and how he plans to go on with his life. You know, he's obviously rebranded himself and created new money-making ventures, et cetera. You need something? Let's yeah, say. I got it. Okay. Um, but so um, that's where I am. Alice, what is the hot sauce? That is the Chelsea Fire Wicked Hot Sauce. They, of course, bring us the Chelsea Fire Wicked Hotline. I have 60,000 tabs, so somewhere in there. Oh, there's the chat chat. Thank you. Here we go, Alice. Hope mm-hmm. you're ready. You ready? I'm so ready. Ooh, Alice. Ooh, what? You're so ready. I liked it. That sounded like Rosalind's voice, kind of. Hey, guys, Paul in the car. Hey, Paul. Um, you guys are right. More Newton teachers singing to us like we're little kids. Um, Jesus, I just get back in the classroom. No, no, no. They do understand they love you too much to get back to the classroom. <laughs> they're first responders. They're, um, they're on the front lines. They're on the front lines. They're making sure that kids don't commit suicide. They're there with the kids, except for this week. By the way, I almost think that post-COVID, the word front lines has been like totally co-opted by people who are not on literal front lines. Well, yeah. And considering we now know from COVID that very few of us were actually on the front lines. Right. Didn't see, COVID didn't care about lines. God's sake. Just a quick aside, and, and I, I hate to love this topic, but um, I do, <laughs> because it's just such a just a a pinnacle of how bad things have become. I mean, it it really is a a high watermark, I think. I guess maybe it could get worse. It probably will. But at least for now, 
you know, these average salary teachers making 83K a year and they're demanding housing and, and uh, more sick days. Jesus. What, yes. Where, Parental where leave. Are where are yes, we? Yes, they want, uh, yes, in housing. That's right. Free, their food's not free, by the way. IEPs, yep. <laughs> and there's inflation, by the way, Paul. Think about it. They have to go through inflation. Um, just quickly, not to leave a long message. My wife's a teacher. She's been doing it for 22 years, grade school in New Hampshire. Um, fortunately, this crap has yet to sort of permeate and, and uh, you know, evade, uh, invade our, our classrooms, my kids' district and or my wife's district. But um, so lucky. she's sick of it. She's sick of being associated with these just morons. And yeah. um, I tell her every day she's just quit. You know, she hangs <laughs> on because the health care, the health insurance is really good. But yeah. Um, She's associated with a bunch of dumbs, as you guys would say, and um, she's tired of it. So I keep telling her every day to quit. She won't. It's a pretty yet. sweet gig for much. a lot she of reasons. Working with the kids, but unfortunately, there's still teachers like her out there. That- yes, thank goodness. Thank goodness. It makes me think. Just wish that we had. Yeah, and don't to- tell her to quit. We shouldn't just seed the ground completely to crazy people. Yeah, don't quit. If, if you're in New Hampshire, then for that, that's only three towns away from me and Alice, and we're trying to get there. We <laughs> do, but she's with us. She listened to your clip the other day and was just mortified that you know, she's busting her butt at school trying to you know, take care of the kids and, and get them developed and, and educated, and these people are singing you know, on tour, singing in the park. <laughs> yep. Ridiculous stuff, but keep it up. Thanks. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, she is definitely, she needs to rebrand herself and come up with a better way. Your wife needs to come up with a better way to express herself. And I think that we saw, the the template for how it's done is out there. I think we've seen how to do it. Come on. Let's go. One, two, three. Newton teachers love Newton. That's why we do what we do. Stand together. Oh, Morgan. We should see if Morgan, write a parody song. I know you're busy doing stuff, but you're a brilliant guy. Write a parody song about the Newton teachers. I Once again, I don't understand enough if you don't have time to do it. But I'm looking at this talent loser. Morton's a, I mean, Morgan is a talented guy with a rapist wit. Is it rapist? No. <laughs> We have a whole episode about yeah. this. You can go Google it. Newton. It's a rapier wit. Oh, yeah, I do. That does ring a bell. All right. You ready, Alice? Yes. Hey, Tom and Alice. Mike and Groban here. Hey, hey Mike. Mike. Um, just recovering from the ear beating. You subjected yes. us listeners to. Sorry. <laughs> that Newton teacher's uh, crime against humanity protest song. I hear you, Mike. <laughs> By the way, Alice. I was steps from Mike today. As two days in a row now, I have used the laundromat in Groveland. Wow. Because another piece of Shattuck equipment has <laughs> fallen to pieces. It's repairable, but I'm back at work. I have not had time to fix our dryer yet. <laughs> it's just the belt. Uh, very interesting picture from you know one of the protests floating around on social media with one of the teachers on the right-hand side of the photograph out front. She's wearing a Canada group, uh, goose jacket, which <laughs> sells for something like sixteen hundred dollars. Of course, yeah. Uh, not good optics if you're out there crying poverty. Uh, I wouldn't expect less from uh, a teachers' union or Newton for that matter. Yeah. Anyways, guys, keep up the great work. Thanks, Mike. See you at the laundromat. Oh, yeah. by the way, Mexican place. That's right around the corner from Mike's house, I think, too. Mexican when does place that open? Is opening up. 
I don't know, because it, it said, like, Merry Christmas, so the announcement was a while ago. But let's go. Let's go. Yeah, thank you so much. Um... <clears throat> hello, hello, hello. Hello. Um, hey. Jim Harbaugh was hired uh, by the Chargers mm-hmm. as head coach. Good hire. Very good hire. Great for Justin Herbert. Um, uh, Alice, uh, give me a five-minute riff on Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> I, I don't know anything about that. The IU Hoosiers men basketball, they lost to uh, Miami. Sorry uh, about that. Wow. The other night. Um, I think Woodson's seat's getting a little hot. Probably, you know, yeah. He, he was on That's what on, I was just saying. The, I would still put him on the Mount Rushmore of great uh, Indianapolis Hoosiers coaches. <laughs> Certainly, Alex. What are the, t- the other four, three? <laughs> he was coached uh, with, uh, he was coached by uh, Knight. Yep, Robert Knight, also on the um, Mount Rushmore, Alice. Bobby Knight. And uh, there's some nostalgia there with that when they hired him and everything. Yeah, definitely. Well, think... he broke the curse. <laughs> right, Alice? I don't know if he broke a curse. Now he's the GOAT. <laughs> they should have gave him the extra million. Of course they should. Probably, yeah. <clears throat> last, I bet. In the offseason last, last year, <clears throat> he hadn't proven anything for a million-dollar bonus. It's... Well, sometimes it's what you don't prove that earns you the money. Mm. Right, Alice? Mm-hmm. Good locker room guy. That's can't, what I always say. Can't pay for that. Good locker room guy. It's getting hot, in, in my opinion. Yep. If he, he can't string any any wins. And to lose... And... They're going to move him to, to uh, trade him to Bama, Alice. Is that true? Something you want to say about <laughs> Bama? No. <laughs> Roll Tide? Nope. Right? And they had a big loss a few a few weeks ago to Purdue at home yeah. at Assembly Hall. You don't you don't lose to Purdue. Not this version of Purdue, no. Maybe in the eighties when they had uh Klish Gillespie as power forward. At home. Yep. You don't do that to your, your fans. No, not in this house, not in our house. Right, Alice? No. You know what I mean by not in our house? Um, like you can't beat us at home. That's right. And then um See, and I then talk on sports. the Ursay front. Um Ursay front. Now this is what we're on to. This is the guy who owns the Colts. His dad owned the Colts. His dad, I think, is the guy who drove them from Baltimore down to Indianapolis. Oh. His dad died. Jim Ursay, the son, has spent most of his years uh, on drogas and now goes on tour and rents out stadiums as if people are going to show up to see him. And some people actually show up to see him. Hmm. Haven't heard anything for eight eight days. That's not good. That's not a good sign. Justin, among other things, is a not only um, wide but deep Indianapolis newsfeed. <laughs> it's true. You know what? Feel free, anyone, really, to call the shot chat and just you know, you- riff on your favorite topic. It doesn't really matter if we know anything about it. It's- even if it's like something in your house. And don't even give us a backstory. <laughs> I anything. like a diverse shot chat like that. Hello, Burn Barrel. What's up? It's Fritz. Hey, Fritz. Hey, Fritz. I um, don't know if this is going to get published tonight or not. It probably won't. It's getting published yeah, tonight. We're, but, we're uh, publishing it. I guess uh, Ned Lamont's not going to um, hold that special session that we were all talking about. George Kelly sent me the clip on it. He put a, posted on Freedom Fires, and um, I did send it over to the Burn Barrel. And um, <laughs> Ned will probably just turn around and do another cap and trade on gasoline to make it more expensive. So, Oh, definitely will. If there's a way to make gasoline more expensive, King Ned will do it. King Ned Edels? 
Mm-hmm. That's what Fritz calls him. Ned Lamont, the governor of Connecticut. George Colley, one of the very few reporters mm-hmm. in media giants in Connecticut. And Fritz the Cat is a good WTIC and Connecticut and American patriot. And a guy who got me my quasimometer. What's it called? <laughs> um, Spectrometer. Right? It is. Oscilloscope. People aren't going to want to drive their gasoline-powered cars. So anyway, <clears throat> speaking of burn barrel, yep, burning waste oil, furnaces, playing around with stuff. Every day's Earth Day. Wee! <laughs> Thank you, Fritz. That was sad to hear about Melanie Safka. Yeah. She she played at Woodstock and then she wrote this song about it. Ooh. I'm over the whole world. Sorry. Like a lot of songs about Woodstock, I think it reached the top ten. Yeah, I, I heard that song. Or 71, whenever she recorded it. Yeah, she was so young then. Isn't it amazing that like 22-year-olds, etc., were playing at one of the largest outdoor events. Yeah. Uh, festival that really cemented the, um, the boomer experience in America. Yep. I will say, though, Dr. Cheswick, that there is a lot to miss. There was no reason. There was a lot of... Uh, it was a lot of performances that just... The Grateful Dead was awful. Country Joe and the Fish was crap. I think Hendrix was pretty good at this. But there is a lot. I've sat through hours of Woodstock. And first of all, it's 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 very loose, festival, concerty. It's not tied together. It's not seamless. It's... Ugh. I just... I'm happy I wasn't there. I would, I would like the idea, I guess, of the drugs and sex, but other than that. And now, there isn't that kind of thread. Now it's divided between these people and those people. Well, the, the counterculture, the people against the establishment, you know, now are Republicans. Right. It, Who are know. bad at music. Not always. Well, but. not all. Not all. There's some. There's some. It's not growing exponentially, but there are some. And a third party, people who just love money and think exactly. they're going to live forever. Oh, it's amazing. Wow, what a thoughtful uh, tome, Alice. Hi. Hey, Steve. Steve. Hey, Steve. Um, Tom, the, yes. uh, <laughs> the guys with sticks that used to go beat up hippies. Yes. <laughs> that was the tactical patrol force. Okay, I got to open a, a, a window with this. The TPF, Tactical Patrol Force. Okay. That's who I want back. I want them back. I want them banging skulls. In Ab- Newton, Massachusetts. In Newton, all all, all over the place. I want Wherever them- the hippies congregate. Yes. <laughs> we'll be there. Like the three amigos. Uh, uh-oh. Am I going to be able to find this again? Here we go. Thank you, Steve. The TPF. Ooh, yes. Wonderful, wonderful group of guys. Yes. Um, and the other thing, too, is you keep playing this, the songs being sung by the Newton teachers yes all i i haven't seen what it looks like i just been listening um, <laughs> it looks like it, you would think. Re- uh, for some reason i'm picturing will ferrell and anna gasteyer yes if you remember those old sketches yes 
from SNL, uh, where you know Will has the Gordon's fisherman beard. Yes, and, he's in a hot uh, tub usually, he's right? Seated at an electric piano. Oh, sorry, I got it wrong. That's that's the image in my head for these oh. losers. Thank oh, you. totally. There's a lot of smiling right into the camera. They're really close. They really feel like they're making a connection with you. You should definitely watch it. I, if I can, I'll re. Think like the celebrity imagined video meets, you Lo- know, like suburban boomers. Yes. A lot of smiles. A lot of smiles going on. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Great chat chat today. Yes. By the way, um, certain uh, ex-chat chatters have commented that the quality's gone down since they've left. What the... F- Oh. Um, not to name names. Oh, you mean, are these possibly made men in other areas? Yes. Yes. My goodness. So, no, I'm not going to name names, but... A broadside attack on us. I so, forgot that reminds me. We did get a message here, an attack message. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. This is an attack on you. Cliff says, Taylor Swift is Nitwick music, Alice. I'm sorry. Okay, this is me. This is He's quoting me. Taylor Swift is Nitwick... You nit- called it midwit music. I know. So you got that wrong, um, Cliff. I said mid wit but i don't think it's nitwit music it's midwit music um taylor swift is nitwit music alice i'm sorry bingo 100 percent bullseye it's cotton candy for the brain says cliff completely devoid of any value it's like eating air Ow. biting indictment alice someday y'all all look back on this era and realize how wrong you all were then we were living in alice, an age alice. of like a songwriting golden age but you know you you, had not it. everybody can the, recognize female, it when you're in it, you know? This is why the female brain is <laughs> the brain of the midwit. Because when you come back with a Taylor Swift retort at Cliff that says, someday, how should you finish that? I'll be living in a big old city and all you're ever going to be is me. Right. I know. Um, Great, fantastic song. She's the only songwriter of that song. There's no other songwriter credit. My guy Scooter co-wrote, I'm told. No. Ghost co-wrote. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.